welcome back to the Stuck In Between podcast. My name is Romy. And I'm Sandon. Thanks for joining us for episode three. We are so hyped for today's episode where we have our very first guest, Minachi Savrimuthu. Minachi is a PhD scholar who specializes in gender theory, race theory, and post-colonialism theory on screen and has written countless bodies of work on those topics. We learnt so much talking with Meenachi about Indian cinema and the gender roles within it, and we'll definitely be looking at films in a deeper light after this conversation. Before we start today's episode, we wanted to thank everyone for your positive response to episode two on relationships. Yes, and we have to mention the results of the poll we put out on our Instagram on how many of you had hid relationships from your parents. Personally, not surprised to see 86% of you had. I feel you. (laughs) Um, People also messaged us with their stories of backlash they got from dating too young or dating outside of their culture and religion. Um, We love interacting with you, so please keep sending us those messages and thanks for doing so. Alrighty, now let's get on to our episode about Indian films. Meenachi, thank you so much for joining and agreeing to be interviewed on our podcast today. We're so honoured to have you as a guest but not just as any guest, as our very first guest. So please bear with us. <laughs> We're very new to this. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited. Yeah, we've really been looking forward to getting to pick your brain. Yeah. Um, so Minachi, you've dedicated the early stages of your young and bright career to learning about the nuances of South Asian film and South Asian art. But what sparked that interest in you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, for me, I guess I've I've just grown up watching Indian movies, specifically Tamil movies, I guess. But but when I was younger, also a lot of Bollywood. Um, and I just yeah, it was just always a part of my life, and it was something that we always did. Um, growing up in Canberra, it was just like a community event to go to like the ANU and watch a Tamil movie that like some uncle was feeding through the projector for everyone, <laughs> and you know, there'd be rolls and there'd be vada and we'd just like have a good time and it was super chill. Um, and obviously now you can go and watch Indian movies in like proper commercial cinemas. Um, and you know, it's just like a nice comforting feeling. So for me, I've just, yeah, I've always been kind of exposed to them, but I also, uh, have had this kind of love hate relationship with some of them because Mm. there's just, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a bit, but there's just some things in there that just don't necessarily sit right with me. Uh, whether that's kind of just like crappy narratives, like poor writing or just like weird relationships between certain like identities and the way that people are represented. So I really love them, but I also kind of hate them. And so it was just like me trying to reconcile those two things and trying to make sense of them. That's awesome. So was there like a moment that kind of clicked for you and you thought, hang on, I'm really passionate about this thing. But um, there's there's room for improvement and people need to understand that better. I can actually make a career in academia learning more about this and sharing that knowledge. Yeah, like when did you start critiquing it from like enjoying it and it being such a comfortable thing at a young age to then critiquing and then probably ruining movies for yourself? Yeah, I, I was literally going to say that. I was like, I feel like if you ask my family, they, they may tell you that it happened a lot further back than what I would say but um yeah I think I I mean one of my earliest memories is like being 10 and being like I don't know I don't think I like this like this this like dialogue is upsetting to me but I'm 10 and I'm not sure why um and then like revisiting that movie as like a 22 year old and being like oh it was sexism that's that's what that was cool Uh. okay nice um 
so yeah so I think um I think I've yeah I've, I've always been a bit like oh that's a bit strange but it was probably yeah when I got to uni and was doing film studies where I was like oh wow there's like a way that I can actually articulate what I find is kind of really cool or really weird about specific movies yeah and I think in that way your ideas and the insights you uncover is helping push the industry and um, have people perceive it forward which yeah. maybe day to day you don't think too much about but um in, in the big picture I think is it's really really amazing yeah yeah I mean I would I would like to think that too um yeah well I mean we'll see <laughs> We'll see. If we we see any big change, maybe in 10 years after. Look, I read your thesis and I'm already thinking differently. So I'm sure sure it'll... No, no. Oh, thanks. So for people who don't know too much about South Asian films, they might only know it from memes and like Black Eyed Peas defects, right? (laughs) Um, So in your eyes, what are the things that make the South Asian film industry unique versus Hollywood? Oh, that's a big question. Um, so many things, so many things. I mean, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, look, South Asia is like such a huge section of the world and there's just so much like richness of language and culture in that area. Right. Um, and so much difference, right? So there's just, yeah, there's just so much going on. Um, my kind of specialty area is India. So I guess maybe I'll, I'll be speaking more to, towards Indian cinema than anything else. Um, just because that's yeah what I know, but sure. but yeah, there's um, there's a huge amount of difference. I think a lot of us people who are not super familiar with Indian cinema, we kind of just think of it as like Bollywood, um, because that's what we see like here in Australia. We we get a lot of Bollywood, yeah. Um, so it's it's the big thing that gets pushed across the world, and so we're all, we're all familiar with Bollywood. But but yeah, Indian cinema is hugely diverse, and there's 15 different film industries that kind mm. of operate. Um, at you know really big numbers and a couple of even um, like additional ones which are a bit smaller and Bollywood is you know just one of those industries so there's there's heaps of um, differences but there's also heaps of similarities so I feel like I guess the big thing that everyone is like oh Indian movies have songs (laughs) yeah Um, so that that's probably the first thing I would say is that we have songs um, and they are kind of weird when you're not used to them um, because they're a bit different they're a bit different to Hollywood movies because they're not just like, oh, I'm a character and I'm in high school and then I'm going to start singing in a play. Yeah. It's like, oh, I am in love with someone and suddenly we're going to cut to me being in Switzerland or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, you get to you get to listen to the music before the movie comes out. It, it comes out kind of like a normal album and you get really familiar with the songs and, and you love them and then you go in and then you get to see this cool music video for this song that you've been listening to for a couple months. Um, so yeah, so there's just, yeah, this really fun. I think too that, um, the other thing is that in South Asia, the music industry is tied in with the film industry. Yeah. Um, which is very different in the West, right? Yeah, definitely. They're just two completely different things. Yeah. And I think in the West as well, like you said, it's, it's a lot of the time when there is music in a movie, they're musicals, not just your like Mission Impossible movie where Tom Cruise breaks out in song and dance. Like whereas in Indian movies, that's literally what happens. Um, and I think the other thing as well are the action sequences, yeah. um, which you also talk about in your thesis and are also quite, um, you know, prevalent in, and like Sandra and I was just talking about it. It's not just action movies that have action sequences. They're literally like, comedy films, romance films, they've all got them in there. Um, why do you think that action films and action sequences, I should say, are so big 
in Indian cinema. Yeah, definitely. That's I mean, that's a really great point that, yeah, that the music industry and the film industry are, are almost the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, there's this, there's this kind of convenient uh, genre that we like to use when we talk about Indian cinema, which is like the masala genre. Mm. So for anyone who doesn't know what masala is, it's essentially a spice mix. So just like the spice mix, the, the movie is something that has like a little bit of everything mixed in. Yeah. Um, so you've got, like you said, action, songs, comedy, drama. Um, it's it's all in there. And so anyone can, I guess, go in and uh, there'll be at least a part of the movie that you're like, ah, oh, I like this. This is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned before, like the thesis, which you wrote, um, which I recommend to everyone, we'll post it up on our Instagram or something so you have access to it. But um, you talked a lot about how there's this idea of it being mythical and it transporting, almost transporting people and like the general public who are watching these movies kind of to another world and taking them out of their current sort of you know, less exciting context. Um, do you think that's the main reason why that a lot of Indian movies have continued to have song and dance and not just Bollywood, but all the 15 industries that you talked about, they all have that as a common thread. Um, do you think that's probably why? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a huge population of kind of urban or, or lower class people who watch movies in India. And these are people who are never going to be able to go overseas on holiday and hang mm. out in the Maldives or in Switzerland. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely a form of escapism. When you watch these sequences, you get to see these yeah. amazing... And like, even, you know, as someone who, you know, I've, I've been on a holiday once or twice, I guess. But, you know, seeing these amazing landscapes and they and they really are like really beautiful like yeah. the, the location scout does an excellent yeah. job <laughs> um, me too yeah so there's yeah there's this element of escapism so i've got a relative in canada who directs Tamil films whoa um, and i personally don't watch too many movies but uh when we were over there a few years ago we watched one with him and his family mm-hmm. um and my brother and i were like super critical of it um like how do these crazy action sequences make sense you know there was this couple who just met and now they're in this really elaborate song where within seconds they're dancing in like different parts of the world. Um, and we're like, you know, this is so stupid. What, what values is adding to the story? Um, and he kind of called us out and he was like, nah, it's bigger than that. Because uh, a lot of people who watch these movies don't have the opportunity to travel, um, like what you were saying. So this is their window into worlds that they might not get to explore. So coming from a place of privilege, that's something that I never thought about. Yeah, but also, I mean, just from a narrative point of view, like I, like I know you were like, they just met, like I don't understand why they suddenly in like the other side of the world, like it doesn't make any sense. But I mean, it, it also kind of saves time because I'm sure I haven't seen this movie, but I'm going to assume that when you come back to them after the song, their relationship has progressed by like so much. <laughs> mm. Like this song is just like a stand in. And so like you can just watch them meet and then you can watch the song and be like, okay, cool. So we can assume that they're in a relationship now. We don't mm. have to waste time. I didn't think about that. That's yeah. so true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing that you also were talking about is around um, political ideology being very prevalent in, in Tamil and Indian movies. And personally, this is something that I'd never gave too much thought to, um, especially because I'm not very well versed around Indian politics either. Um, but could you talk to that a little bit more and how political parties being involved in the industry kind of feeds in like ideologies into the actual storylines and the types of characters that are formed in um, Indian, especially Tamil cinema. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah. I think, I mean, 
yeah, politics and arts, I guess, are always kind of linked to a certain degree. But yeah, the Tamil film industry is, it, it kind of takes it to a whole nother level. There's, um, there's a really strong connection between state politics and films. And this kind of starts, I guess, even before the advent of movies in India. I think that in the lead up to kind of um, independence from colonialism, there's a lot of nationalistic theatre happening, which is helping to kind of mobilise people against the British. Mm. Um, and as cinema kind of starts to run parallelly to theatre, it also kind of picks up these these kind of political undertones um, and it, it kind of just becomes this perfect melting pot for politics and stories to come together. Right. So around the kind of 20s to 40s, there is a big push in, in Tamil Nadu specifically uh, for the reinstatement of a kind of pre-colonial and, and pre uh, northern influenced Tamil. Um, and so this kind of gets used in terms of kind of activism for a while. And then around the fifties, there's this very prominent party. I'll just call them the DMK, but yeah, the DMK, they just took full advantage of this. They started making movies, uh, which, which we can classify as kind of propaganda films, which really help push the party ideology, mm. really helped mobilize people into, into wanting, you know, to, to be proud of being Tamil and to be proud of the Tamil language um, and also to kind of break free of some of the constraints that the Hindu caste system and, and a bunch of other kind of a bunch of political ideologies that are kind of happening at the time. Would you um, say that so, the DMK are more on the right side or like more left? Like are they more conservative or? Dravidian politics is kind of a thing that runs throughout a bunch of state parties especially ones now um, and they are, and they're all kind of different so it's kind of hard I guess to position them uh, as conservative or not conservative and also I don't I don't right. want to I don't want to put them on a kind of western idea of, of left and right but right. Um, yep. but I, what I will say is the DMK really uh, pushed for specific types uh, of representation both in their films and also kind of it, it influences people to think of of themselves is that way and and the main thing that they did was really push for these kind of quote-unquote traditional family roles um which in turn push for really traditional gender roles so you mm. end up having uh these really popular actors who are on screen um becoming these kind of really hyper masculine and very native um dudes who are like really anti-english and hindi and they love tamil um and then you end up getting these really kind of two-dimensional female characters who are just kind of there to look pretty and then they get married and then they become, you know, great mothers and they pop out a bunch of babies and, like, that's the job and the hero goes out to work and you end up with those kind of roles. Um, and a lot yeah. of a lot of contemporary Tamil cinema is still, I think we can, I think we can agree, is still quite heavily influenced by those kind of gender roles. Yeah, and that was sort of another main topic that we wanted to chat with you about, which are the gender roles in Indian cinemas that we still see now. Um, it is this idea of what you were just saying, that native hero, like Tamil cinemas in particular is very much focused on heroism and the actor coming in to save the day embodying the culture and schooling everybody else and how they should really be like. Yeah. Um, my question to you before was, do you still think that DMK ideology is still prevalent in movies now? But when you mentioned 
the gender role stuff just then, it 100% still happens. Yeah, definitely. And people can't seem to move past it. It's just ridiculous. It puts me off watching movies sometimes when it's like it's all just about that heroism around it. Why do you think that that still resonates so well with the Indian public and why people worship like the the hero so much in movies because it's it's ridiculous like they worship them not just in the movies they worship them outside of movies as well like they do pujas and prayers yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah, when yeah. actors like movies come out or if they get sick or you know there's people standing outside Shah Khan's house every single day to the point where he's got like a wall like built outside of his house like a castle with a wall outside it. Um, but yeah, why do you think that worshipping like happens so much? It's That's so funny um, to hear you also <laughs> be like, I just can't, I hate it. I can't stand it. Um, because yeah, because I think watching it as obviously like an outsider, because like none of us are Indian and, and none of us live in India. Um, and also I think it also kind of maybe appeals more to like a, a young male demographic and we are not that. I mean, Sandra's different, mm. but like you and me, Rami. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for me, I'm like, huh, I don't, this doesn't resonate with me at all as a viewer and I I, I can't really relate to this. But I, I suppose it, it probably just is a, a form of, of representation in, in the same way that you might kind of see these pretty hyper-masculine dudes in like Marvel movies I feel like is a good example because mm-hmm. they're all like superhuman dudes but like when you kind of take off you know Peter Parker's Spider-Man mask he's like this cool relatable teenager um and I, and I think there is that duality to contemporary Tamil heroes at least that that they are capable of doing these amazing like superhuman fighting but also are like yeah. kind of goofy and shy and like you know if they like a girl they can't like talk to her properly because they're so like socially awkward um and so they're kind of this like really cool hyper masculine fantasy I guess that like you know they're really powerful but they're also super relatable so I think if you're watching it and something in that resonates with you you might feel good um and yeah in terms of the worship as you said it's totally it's totally like off screen. It becomes this almost Hindu worship type thing where they're, like you said, they're doing puja and they're like treating these cutouts of their favorite heroes as if they are gods. Um, and I, again, I think that is, is kind of an overlap between the worship practices that a lot of people in India who are Hindu maybe participate in and see as normal. And mm. then when you, when you love a hero, you kind of do the same thing. Um, just as a, like a cheeky plug, my, my current thesis is actually talking a lot about, um, the worship of the really famous Tamil actor Rajnikanth. Um, and I talk a bit about how the movie and like the structure of the movie itself actually allows for people to worship him as if he was a Hindu deity. There's a, a lot of super dramatic moments, which kind of open the fourth wall up for fans to kind of have a moment with the star before the movie kind of keeps going without it. And so you end up having these like extended pauses in slow motion or sometimes just freeze frames where the narrative's not going anywhere, but you just have this nice moment of intimacy with your favorite star. And you can kind of look at him and cheer and he kind of looks through the camera back at you. And it's, you know, it's like this nice affinity between fans and their their favorite stars. It's that weird line between the act as a real person versus the role they play in movies like they could their real personality could be nothing like that 
Vijay, who's one of the biggest Tamil actors um, currently, he plays super charismatic and outgoing people on screen. Um, but in real life, he could be really shy or introverted. <laughs> but the, the image that he portrays in movies are very different. And I feel like people often just put them into one bucket and just think that the person they are in the movies are who they are in real life because they also consistently play the same type of role in movies as well, like what you were just saying before. Which is very different in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Because people would look at um, an actor's character outside of the roles they play, and if, if they know that they're not a good person for whatever reason, people aren't going to glorify them the same way that they might in Indian cinema. Yeah, yeah definitely. The celebrity culture is, yeah, totally different to Hollywood. Um, I, I, I feel like... as an Indian fan, you, you don't actually really care about the personal lives of any of the stars. Um, yeah. Like you may follow, like, you know, you follow people on like Hollywood actors on Instagram. You're like, oh, what do their dog look like? Oh, what's their like partner look like? <laughs> but but yeah, I, I don't think many Indian fans would be actually very interested in the wives or the pets of their famous Indian stars. Yeah. Or like scandals and stuff. I feel like people don't really care too much about just that. Kind of sweep it under the rug yeah. if it's in... Because the he's a, because they just look at the the actor on screen, not yeah. what they're like in real life as well. What I think is super interesting is how actors break into the industry and they get super selective with the roles that they play. Um, so then they can portray a certain image of themselves and then use that as like a platform to branch into other careers like uh like politics yeah can you speak a little to that yeah definitely i mean yeah you i mean you've summed it up perfectly i mean there's yeah there's this almost episodic i guess nature to Tamil movies where these actors will come back and they'll play the same roles pretty much over and over again um they might change yeah. they change their names maybe the baddie <laughs> is different but you know the the guy is the same if you're a fan of bj then you're going in to see a very specific type of character and it's the character yeah. that you've you've grown to love after you know several decades um so yeah so there's a kind of affinity between you and your favorite star in the sense that you go back expecting the same guy to be there and he's he's in a different setting and maybe has a different girlfriend but he is still like your guy um and yeah and a lot of actors have kind of use that to their advantage this idea that the fans are so devoted to them already and you know they portray these really great dudes on screen these like superhuman guys who are always like always looking out for the underdogs always helping um the lower classes and so when the actor runs for politics it seems like a no-brainer yeah. to to kind of vote for him um a really good example of this i guess is mgr who's a, a very famous tunnel actor um and actually he was one of the participating members of the dmk um, so a really great example. Um, but yeah, he, he used his on-screen persona to really elevate his political career and he was, you know, ridiculously successful. And, and even now there's like contemporary actors who have done that. Kamala Hassan and Rajini Kant are two really famous actors in Tamil cinema and both of them as of two years ago have announced that they're going into politics. So yeah, they end up being very successful because people assume they are the person they are on screen, but their real life personality and ideologies and values could be totally different and may not serve the public well like they think uh, which is also interesting yeah and then to that as well um I find that there's often this contrast between the male and female characters in Tamil movies as well um why do you think that exists what's your sort of take on that 
Yeah, I mean, look, I, I mean, this is just me watching them and kind of thinking. My kind of view of it, and, you know, someone might disagree, but but it does seem like because we have such an intensely native actor, like the, the characters who, like, these actors play are, like, super traditional, very native, um, and their masculinity is pretty much directly correlated with the fact that they love, you know, pummel and they love being pummel. And so... It, it makes sense that you can kind of reinforce the masculinity and the pummelness of a guy when the love interest is a little bit the opposite, mm, right. you know? So he's a man and he's Tamil, so she's a woman and she's kind of more westernized or more northern Indian. But I think we do see that in even contemporary movies where we have these, like, quote-unquote modern girls who wear uh, western clothing and they can talk a little bit of English and they're this... There's a pretty clear contrast between them and, and the hero. Um, but obviously, you know, it gets a bit more complicated when those characters get married to the heroes um, and then they have to become mothers. And, and then we end up having them shed their kind of modernity and, and put on saris and be, yeah, yeah, yeah. be nice You moms. see that contrast, right? Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden they get married and then they're just covered up in a sari when they become Yeah, alive. and I think contemporary... And seen before. Oh, sorry. <laughs> No, I was going to say, and then in the scene before, they're just wearing whatever and just, yeah. Yeah, and I think contemporary Tamil movies maybe circumvent that now because not a lot of characters actually end up getting married in Tamil movies. Like, nowadays, they end up just getting together and the wedding kind of happens after the credits. So we end up having these pretty scantily clad women throughout the whole movie and it's a win, I guess. I don't know. So speaking of scantily dressed women, um, another um, very prevalent part of Tamil cinema and probably Indian cinema in general, just my experience from watching Bollywood movies as well, um, is this idea that actresses are very sexualized and um, I think maybe things are changing a little bit now, but even when it comes to these like extravagant song sequences that we were talking about earlier, you know, actresses are very skimpily dressed like they've not invested enough money into their items of clothing <laughs> they'd rather pay for them to fly to Switzerland to do a song instead um but why do you think that appeal still exists because obviously it's just the male gaze that that's really just appealing to yeah um but no one really seems to have much of a problem with it <laughs> yeah it's tr it's tricky it's tricky because yeah it does feel more gratuitous in again, speaking more specifically to Indian cinema, but yeah, it, it does feel really gratuitous when you see it because you're like, oh, this is unnecessarily skimpy and I feel like she's, that poor actress is probably freezing, like you guys are in the Alps and she's wearing <laughs> nothing. Um, so it, it is a bit strange. I, I guess, like, as you said, yeah, the male gaze is everywhere. <laughs> we can't escape it. Um, and yeah, it just, I guess it just feels like it's maybe more so in Indian cinema than other industries, maybe because of the fantasy element of song sequences, there might be uh, a little bit extra leeway. You can be, you can break away a little bit more because it's, you know, it's this kind of not really part of the movie, part of the movie sequence. And so it ends up, you end up being able to take a couple liberties and make it a little extra glossy and shiny. Um, but yeah, yeah, it sucks that the male gaze exists, but I guess, I mean, it kind of exists in you know Hollywood as well and and a lot of other industries so I yeah I, there's a lot of work to be done on that I think and I think flowing on from that the other thing is standards of beauty so you'll have actors who act until they're old gray men right and they'll have love interests where there's big age gaps uh, whereas for actresses there's a higher churn rate 
because of um you know how the industry has a perception of what a woman should be so if she reaches a certain age um or if she gets married or has a child the roles that she can play become limited um and you know the the other things that don't really apply to guys like um the need for actresses to have fairer skin to be considered more beautiful yeah, yeah i think i think this is actually quite a common thing across industries um if you look at like any kind of pretty popular actor in Hollywood and you just go through his filmography and look at his love interests, I think you'll notice that there's a, a pretty big age gap between a lot of them. I think it is pretty noticeable in in Indian cinema though, like just to speak to that point, um, is it, it is pretty weird when you have actors who are well into their 60s, like Rajinikanth, um, acting with women who are in their 20s or 30s. It's pretty weird um, and it's kind of gross. Um, and another thing you'll you'll notice, and, and you guys did mention this, is that preoccupation with being married or being a mother and that preventing you from being an actress somehow. Yeah. There's, there's a fair amount of stigma, I think, around being an actress and having to remain kind of chaste and protecting yourself. And there seems to be a kind of divide between being able to kind of be on camera and then be a, a wife or a mother. And so you, you will find a lot of actresses who either get married or have children will not be able to kind of return as as single characters on screen and will have to end up playing these kind of mother or like sister-in-law roles mm. um to speak to the yeah the fairness as a beauty standard really sucks uh i i personally hate it anyone who knows me or has seen me yell about my master's thesis knows that i really i have beef with the kind of standards of fairness in uh, Indian cinema. It's not just Tamil cinema, it's kind of everything. Um, and it, I guess it stems from a couple of different things. The, the main one, I guess, in a contemporary setting is just the kind of prevalence of like beauty companies that promote like lightning creams and just this idea that if you're fair, you're more beautiful. Um, and, and, you know, we see this across all of Asia, not just in India um, and it, and you know it used to have this correlation between wealth you know if you're not a laborer out in the fields all day you probably are a little fairer mm. um, and more recently obviously you know we're becoming a lot more globalized and unfortunately whiteness is becoming this kind of standard of beauty that everyone including people in countries that don't necessarily have a large white population are being held towards and I think the whiteness is a standard of beauty and the fairness as a standard of beauty kind of merge and then these huge international companies often american companies like unilever who sell you know whitening creams and stuff yeah. make a bunch of money because people are insecure and it's it sucks and i think um amy jackson who i know you spoke very passionately or wrote very passionately about yeah. in your thesis as well is a classic example of this right this idea of this british girl Full British girl, full white, full yep, Caucasian, not Caucasian. even half, not even half Indian. Um, she enters into the Tamil film industry, plays a British girl in a great movie. Yeah, her very first movie was awesome. She played a white girl, <laughs> but then all of a sudden transitions into playing Indian women wearing traditional clothes, speaking in Tamil, but not really. She's her, her voice is getting dubbed over. Um, do you think that's where? that obsession with Amy Jackson comes from and why it makes it okay for her to act in Tamil films without people really questioning it. Yeah, it's funny. I, I have, 
I have big beef with Amy Jackson. Poor Amy Jackson doesn't know how much beef I have with her. Um, <laughs> she is, yeah, as you said, she is uh, just a Caucasian British girl. She's just from the UK. She's she was a model. She got picked up to play a British woman, and then yeah, for some reason, she just started playing Indian women. Um, and that you know that's not on her. That's on you know casting directors and filmmakers who decide to put her in. Um, and yeah, my thesis, I kind of try and understand what's going on and, and why she's so popular. And, and you know, for someone like me, it makes no sense. You know, I live in Australia. I see an oversaturation of, of non-brown faces in Australian media and in American media. Luckily, it's kind of changing recently. But, you know, I, I grew up not seeing brown people anywhere except for in Indian movies. And so mm. to, you know, be in high school and see this actress come in and be like oh, okay white girl and then to keep seeing her play brown people I'm like wait no 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 no, no. I already I already see white people I don't want this <laughs> I don't want that I want I want to see brown people um so yeah so for me I was like oh this is awful and I I really hate it and I was interested by her because as you said she's she's dubbed over um and it works for Amy because she doesn't speak Tamil so she just someone you know they just get an Indian actress to come in and dub for her she looks awesome on screen. Like she's a very beautiful woman. Um, she's obviously ridiculously white, but she does, you know, she she puts in her brown contacts and she wears a little bit of spray tan, just in case you were confused. <laughs> she's definitely Indian, um, but she no, she looks pretty white. But yeah, it's just one of those things where a bunch of kind of strange ideas around beauty and whiteness as an aesthetic and fairness as an aesthetic of beauty and also this idea that intimacy and doing specific acts on screen is kind of you know not proper and when you're an Indian woman you kind of you have to you know face society's criticism of you and a lot of actresses do face the kind of criticism of uh you know being on screen and doing things which we know are acting but for some reason translate off screen in really kind of nasty ways um and I think Amy Jackson being a westerner and being outside of the kind of rules that Indian society places on a lot of women gets to kind of move a little more freely mm, um right. and gets to you know be herself and and act the way she wants without having Tamilness forced upon her because she's not Tamil so mm. she doesn't she doesn't have an auntie uh who's gonna be mad at her she she just gets <laughs> to go back home to the UK and and tell all her friends that she was in a cool Indian movie. Um, so yeah, so she's just she just kind of ends up being this kind of perfect vessel for all of these kind of icky uh, restrictions, and she ends up being a, a pretty successful actress. Um, she's she's not acting anymore, so oops. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe but... someone read your thesis. <laughs> no, she actually she got a job on the CW, so she um she. And this is a direct quote from her, that Indian cinema was the perfect stepping stone for her. So she actually moved on to greener pastures. So she got right. a job in America so, and now she doesn't need silly old Indian cinema. Right. Moving on to bigger and better things, yeah. I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that those gender roles and those norms are progressing? Because I found that more recently there have been movies where the main character is a female, whereas maybe in the earlier 2000s or maybe, you know, even 2010-ish, there were a lot of Tamil movies where 
the actor was the hero of the show and the the actress just came in, danced, you know, looked pretty and then just left. Yeah. Um, and then and she was on the screen for, you know, like 20 minutes and that was it. Like she was just there for the sake of, you know, a pretty girl. Um, but do you think that, that that's changing now? Because I've seen, as I said, movies where they are female-led. There are actresses who are doing that now. Um, even older f- actresses who've gotten married and left the industry, like Jyotika, for example, who are coming back to do films where she plays a woman in her 30s and talks about the struggles they go through in particular. Um, can you talk a bit to, to that and the progression of that um, in Tamil movies? Yeah, the, I think there's definitely a progression. I'd be interested to know, Romy, if you've specific movies that you've enjoyed that you think have made a change. I think that even like going back even like five or ten years and watching a movie, you might be like, oh, this is a lot more problematic than I thought it was. Um, and, and I mean, going back even further, like Pariyapa, um, like that movie is whack. Like it makes, yeah. it, it's so weird and it makes no sense um, because there's just this like complete disconnect between the, the baddie character who is essentially the same as the hero. I mean, the both of them are like English, yeah. e- English educated people who are like have have left and wear jeans and like come back to the village but like he is this like amazing smart like talented hot guy and she is this like horrible evil character because she you know likes feminism and she is kind of vocal about liking him and so she's clearly you know this horrible tainted arrogant yeah 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 they're the same person the only difference is one of them is a woman Um, i think another movie we were talking about when um rami and i were brainstorming what to talk to you about was a movie called beagle yes which um which i haven't watched but talking to rami about it what i understand is uh basically there's a guy who wants to liberate women so he puts together this female soccer team where all the players um, kind of have a traumatic, uh, have traumatic backstories. Yeah. So when Romy was telling me about this movie, I was like, oh yeah, this sounds cool. It sounds like a film that's pushing the female narrative forward. Uh, but she was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it comes back to, you know, rather than celebrating the women in the film and what they overcome, it's the guy who's betrayed as a hero because he's the, he's the one who elevated these women. Yeah, Romy, did, what, what was your rating? What did you think of it? <laughs> Oh my god, it was ridiculous. I'm sorry to all the VJ fans out there. Don't come for me, please. Like, I get, I mean, they were trying to do a good thing. I feel like it could have been executed so much better yeah. in the sense that, okay, it's good that this guy is elevating women, but like, step out of the scene like once in a while and just like give the limelight to these women whose stories you're trying to tell. Um, there's one scene in particular that I cannot forget and it's where this girl confronts a guy who abused her and she walks away and she's all fierce and it's like, woo, go girl. Like, you know, she's being empowered. empowerment. And then like you see the actor in the background just like clapping away. Like he comes like into the win, scene. And her yeah, I remember. And I'm just yeah. like, leave it, leave the scene. <laughs> Why are you like this? <laughs> just ruined it. I, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't a fan. It could have been executed a, a lot better, but I'm sure... VJ fans loved it. Oh yeah, I'm sure they did. <laughs> I, I gotta agree with you there. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad movie. It just, as you said, the execution maybe could have been way better. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. It's, it's this movie that's just trying to do really well, and you know, I think it ends with this dedication to all women, and it's like, you know, thank you for that, but also like, 
this was not about women. Like, I'm confused. This this mm. is a movie about Vijay. Um, <laughs> like, I remember he's a soccer coach. He's come to train these women, and they're not they're not super happy with him as as the coach. And he, I definitely remember that there's a scene where he kind of challenges them to play, you know, eleven v one. And he ends up winning against this team. And I'm supposed to believe that this team wins the national championship at the end of the movie? <laughs> I don't think so. They just lost to one guy. They can't even beat one guy. So even just, but it's Vijay, so, you know, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> things like that where it's like, oh, this is kind of weird. And Yeah, like you said, the backstories were great. But I think, yeah, it's just the way it was done. It it's it was all that about heroism, him. yeah, and and yeah, it and yeah. it ruins it because it's meant to be a sports movie and it ends up being a movie about <laughs> a guy who's like yeah. used to be good at sports and is now a coach. So despite <laughs> all of the shortcomings which we spoke about, um, Indian films still have so much value and beauty, right? Um, and the way it brings communities together, there's that entertainment factor. A lot of movies are super educational and profound. Um, so to that. What do you think are the misconceptions about the South Asian film industry in the West? Oh, so many. Uh, there's this idea that they're all kind of pulpy and grow, like they're all kind of trashy. Um, and that, well, there's this idea, I think, in general, that there's a specific type of cinema that gets heralded as uh, quote unquote proper cinema. And we see this in Hollywood all the time, you know, when we don't take certain movies seriously for award nominations or we place a lot of value on very specific types of narrative and specific types of acting. Um, and I think that there's not been a place for like melodrama in Hollywood for mm. a long time. And so I think we, we see the melodrama in, um, you know, any Indian cinema. And, you know, as a Western viewer, you're a little bit like, oh, this is a lot. This is, you know, this is a bit too much for me, maybe. There's those kind of ideas around it being kind of non-realistic or mm. uh, not, uh, you know, not a form of art, just kind of for the masses, kind of trashy, pulpy movies, um, which, you know, I, I don't agree with because I think they're great. Um, and I think they can be a lot of fun. Yeah, I've definitely been a victim to that yeah. in the past. Um, when I was younger, I used to look at South Asian films and think, you know, they were a little extra or a little silly. But as an adult, Rami or someone... I know we'll recommend a film and I'll watch it and be like, hey, that, that was actually really good and even more profound than some movies in Hollywood right now. Yeah, and also I think we do t generally tend to generalise all Indian cinema to be that kind of masala, mm. like action-y, song sequence movie, which is not true. There's so much diversity in so many industries and, yeah, even like within the more kind of pulpy industries like Bollywood or Tamil or Telugu, there's like some really amazing... Uh, movies which are either independently funded or just, you know, kind of commercially funded, which end up being, um, like you said, super enriching and, and interesting. So it, mm. it's not all kind of garbage action. Yeah. And as a way to wrap up today's episode, we wanted to ask you, why do you think movies are so important and so ingrained in South Asian culture? That's a great question. That's a great question. Um, that's a really interesting question. I think movies are... I mean, they really are the kind of continuation of theatre, right? Mm. And at least in terms of, like, Tamil cinema, there's this, there's this mythology behind cinema, which is, you know, often linked to kind of Hinduism. And, you know, it's, it's, it, was, it was very common for, you know, theatre to do, you know, 
episodes of epics and for people to be really excited to watch mm. epics um and to hear you know these amazing stories about um all of these deities and so it, it makes sense that cinema has kind of become the the kind of new normal and you know th this is this is also like counting the fact that you know mythological cinema exists and there's literal movies about gods um and serializations of of big you know mythic tales so i think that cinema just becomes the kind of new folklore in a way mm. um it's just a, a great way of of going and seeing kind of good triumph over evil and you're like yay this is you know in the spirit of of th those kind of mythological stories and it's in the spirit of of what i want to see you know i just want to see uh you know good things happen and particularly when there's you know um these amazing heroes who kind of help lower class people in movies right. and and you know as a continuation kind of in politics maybe as well you know it, it's nice to feel recognized and feel like you're being taken care of by these stars right um i feel like there's like a real love there between the characters on screen and and on in terms of the fans and the, the characters on screen so i feel like that there, there's just like an intimacy there that makes it important yeah. and sorry um one last question from me what are your favorite things about south asian films and why do they mean so much to you that is a great question. Um, I guess the reason I like Indian cinema is because it's what I'm used to. You know, I grew up watching a lot of Indian movies. I still do. Uh, mainly Tamil, but also some Hindi, Telugu, some Malayalam ones as well. Um, but for me, Tamil movies are just the easiest way that I can kind of connect with my identity, mm. specifically my language. They were kind of community events when I was growing up. So my community would hire out a lecture hall. We would play the movie, we'd bring food and, you know, everyone would get to catch up and watch this movie. Um, and then we'd talk about it and it was just, you know, it was a great time. So they're just this thing that I have really fond memories about and, and still really enjoy watching. Yeah, that's really lovely. All right, before we finish up today's episode, as we do every week, we do want to ask each other of any recommendations that we have for one another as well as our listeners. Yeah, and we thought, Minachi, a good recommendation you could give is for people who don't usually watch South Asian films, what movie would you suggest they watch to kind of um, break into this world? So many. Um, it's going to be tricky to... No, so many, but... I've got a couple. Give us... Um, yeah. You don't need to give us one. You can give yeah, us Yeah, give us sure. a list. <laughs> I'll give you a few. In terms of... Well, in terms of a movie that I watched recently that I really enjoyed in Bollywood, I really enjoyed Pink. I thought it was really great. <gasps> yes. I don't want to give away too much, but it's, it's essentially a court case. It deals with issues around sexual assault and victim blaming. Um, it's got Amitabh Bachchan, who's a really famous Bollywood actor in it. Um, but it's, it's not like Biggle because it, it does actually give space for, uh, marginalized voices to actually come out. And it's not all about him as this big hero. He's actually just, uh, there as a kind of mediator. So I thought it was a really great movie. Mm. Obviously it, it may be kind of upsetting. So if you're not going to mm. watch, if you don't watch movies to sexual assault, maybe don't watch that one. But I thought it was, was really good. Um, and then in terms of Tamil, uh, so many really great movies. The The number one movie that I like to recommend to people is a movie called Jigaradanda, which is kind of a tricky one to spell. I think it's on uh, YouTube for free, last time I checked. It's also... And subtitles for our non-Tamil speaking friends? Yes. Oh, I only speak with subtitles, yes. Um, 
Sometimes even I need them. So yeah, all of my recommendations come with subtitles. Um, it's it's a great movie. It's just like a, a weird meta gangster movie. Uh, it's pretty serious in the first half and then it goes kind of totally off the rails in the second half and it's very weird and funny. Um, so I'd recommend Jigoro Thunder and then um, this one I think I'm sure a couple of even people who are not super familiar with Tamil cinema would be familiar with, but uh, Kaka Mutte, which I think when it was going around the, the circuit, uh, it was called The Crow's Egg, which is also a really cute movie. I think it's on SBS On Demand, um, and it's very sweet. I liked it a lot. Great recommendations, Minachi. I've seen a couple of those movies, but I haven't seen uh, one of them yet. Uh, so I'll make sure I check it out. And I'll also make sure Sandin watches them too, because he hasn't watched Tamil movies recently. Yeah, definitely after this episode, I have to watch a bunch, right? <laughs> Certainly. Um, Sandin, we have a collective recommendation for this week, don't we? Yeah, we do. So um, to keep on topic with today's episode... Our joint recommendation is actually A.R. Rahman. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> everyone in South Asia is bound to know. So I guess this recommendation is more so for people who don't know who he is. Yeah. Um, and there's there's no one really in the West that you could equate with him, right? No. Yeah. Um, so basically he's a composer and songwriter who's written scores and soundtracks and songs for countless numbers of Indian films. And he really pushed the boundaries on the kind of sounds and instruments and and genres that are blended together. So mm. he's just had this this massive impact on music, especially in that in that region. Yeah. Um, I guess people might know him from J-Ho, which he did with the Pussycat Dolls for Slumdog Millionaire a few yes. years ago. And he won the Oscar that year. Yeah, and weirdly enough, Will I Am samples a lot of his tracks, which is kind of dope, but also kind of like cringy at the same time. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, hit us up on the Stuck In Between Instagram page. And we'll send you a bunch of bangers from him. He's just got such a vast array of music. So there's something there for everyone. It's He's amazing. He's amazing. Uh, we went to his concert, Sandin and I, with some friends when he was here. Wow. Three years ago, maybe. And I think I was, like, going to cry when he started singing at some parts. I was like, oh, my God. The cutest moment was, the best was concert. when he started playing Urvasi. Rami, Rami's sister Avi, and their mom all stood up at the same time and in sync were doing the exact same moves. That's awesome. And I, I didn't even realise till Sandin pointed it out. I was like, I'm turning into my mom. Yeah, you totally are. <laughs> um, before we let Minachi go, we wanted to ask, what exciting projects are you working on at the moment? Is there anything cool in the works? Uh, yeah, I have, um, I have a book chapter in a, a book about Tamil cinema coming out. Anyone who's interested what? in Tamil cinema... That's should... amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was going to say if anyone who uh, listened to Sandin and Romy talk about my thesis but can't be bothered to read the whole thing, which is frankly fair enough, um, this this book chapter is predominantly about Amy Jackson and, and the stuff I was talking about in my master's thesis. So it will be a shorter way to consume that knowledge. Wow. When's that coming out? Do you Is there like a date yet? So it, it's coming out on January 19th. So tomorrow... Um, and it's, yeah, it's called Tamil Cinema in the 21st Century, Cast, Gender and Technology. Uh, it's edited by Selvaraj Velayatham and Vijay Devadas. If you can get your library to grab your copy, you should do that. Um, obviously, academic books are pretty pricey. So get I think we'll need to check to your availability to get you on the podcast to talk about all of the ideas in that book as well sometime soon. I'd be happy to. Um, but yeah, that's the most exciting thing I think that's happening. Oh, that's awesome. Good on you. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Minachi. I hope we haven't taken up too much of your time, but 
It's been a pleasure. Such a great conversation. Yeah, I feel like uh, we could have spoken to you for hours. Um, yeah. I learned so much yeah. and that was a lot of fun. I feel like we need a part two. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm so, I'm so blessed. I feel great. I'm like, wow. Only on the third episode as well. Oh, I mean, Archie, you're too nice. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to share it with other people you think might enjoy it too. And remember to follow us on Instagram at stuckinbetween underscore podcast and tag us if you make any posts or stories about our episodes. Join us for episode four on mental health.